Hey everybody, this is Sean, and I'm a sociology instructor here, the co-host of the Safe Topics podcast, along with Curry Mitchell. So today I get to interview a student, a former student of mine, Madeline Cooperman, and really talented, bright student. And we are still talking about universal design for learning, and we're still talking about different uh, teaching modalities and different ways of assessing students. And so we decided to do a series of interviews with students that focus on that and and what what uh, makes learning challenging for students but also what makes learning um, easier or fun or more fair in their eyes and so we have a, a, a series for you this first interview is me and Madeline just talking about just that so I hope you enjoy so thanks for being on let's start with who are you I am Madeline Cooperman. I am a junior transfer at the University of California, San Diego, and I am a sociology major with a specialization in science and medicine. Right. And you were also formerly a student at Miracosta College. Is that correct? Yes. spent one year at Miracosta College and I loved it. All right. Excellent. Um, so what, what is your goal um, in terms of your education? Ultimately, I'd love to be a nurse. I have had a dream of working in research for oncology, but um, along the way, I have become so passionate about working um, kind of in the social justice realm, but more in kind of the research perspective, kind of um, in what gets us to the social justice we see when we look at kind of the signs and the outcomes of studies, kind of what gets us there. And so um, I've been interested in that. And if I'm getting to the degrees that I need to get in order uh, to get to that BSN for nursing, um, I want to be able to uh, utilize those classes that my college fund and all of the savings and loans and everything that I'm taking out are getting for. I would love to be able to take those social justice classes. So that's what I'm doing along the way. Right. Make it make it worth your time, energy, money, but then also fuel the passions that you have, right, for those social justice issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And, and what a time to do that, right? When you talk about nursing and the healthcare industry during a pandemic and the social issues that we were dealing with prior, the ones that are emerging now and the things in the future that we cannot foresee, it's going to be really important for us to do that kind of research. Yeah. Yeah. And especially I have such a, uh, a passion for the sciencey side of it and um, just experiencing life as someone who identifies as a woman and uh, in the STEM category too. It's my own experiences and talking to people who have other marginalized identities, being able to kind of have those experiences in the STEM field and hear the experiences of others. I think it's something so interesting to me and something that I love to be part of this point in history too. Yeah, excellent, excellent. It's very exciting stuff, but you know, you'll be facing a lot of the challenges that are emerging and um, you know, that could be exciting, but also a daunting thing. It's the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> it is, right? We're, we're, we're going to start climbing here. Yeah. <laughs> At least it'll inform us for the next time around, right? Because it's not a matter of of if it's a matter of when. So hopefully we'll be more prepared. Exactly. <laughs> so how are things going for you right now? Um, you're in this online environment and what, what what's your uh, general feelings about where you're at? Things were starting to look up a little bit as we were starting to open back up. The winter schedule came out for classes and I was so excited to see the hybrid classes and and then the purple tier came back up and um, I started to kind of get a little more sad. Everything kind of went back online and I think I'm in sort of a spot right now where I'm just feeling a little discouraged. I think 
Um, I'm doing everything I need to be doing, but I'm watching kind of a lot of people start to feel frustrated with what they're doing. And I think we have so many people doing the right thing and so many people feeling frustrated. And I think it's really starting to weigh on so many students. And I see so many of my classmates just starting to feel so much frustration on their end too. And I know I'm just starting to worry about how my education is going to play out. I know I work during the day and my eight to two job is not going well with how my required classes are starting to be scheduled. And I don't know how I'm going to graduate as a transfer student if the pandemic continues and I need to figure out how my classes are going to work. And I don't know how I'm going to keep on making it to testing and to work and then back home for my classes and kind of figure out how I'm going to tack on the double major I wanted to add on and try to figure out work and class and um, communicating with different organizations and clubs and even the different campus resources that are available are hard to get a hold of because everybody needs to get a hold of certain campus resources right now. And I know I've heard from students that the clinical and psychological services is so backed up right now because everybody's needing those services. And so I know it's a mess for a lot of students right now in so many ways. And I'm just one of the cogs in the clock that's also feeling kind of discouraged and distraught and kind of worrying about what my education is going to look like. And I know calculus is this class that I've put off for so long so that I can get my bachelor's of science degree. And I, I can't do that class online. I know I can't do that class online, but I also do not want to risk my health to do that class in person once the day comes. And I don't know what the next two years is going to look like. And so it's, questions like that, that I'm starting to think about that I was able to put off for six months, but now I don't know how much longer I can put those questions off. And so I'm starting to take those anxiety questions that I was able to put off from kind of a self-care standpoint. And I don't know how much longer I can just be like, oh, it's my anxiety mind. And now it's starting to be real life. And so I think the ways that I was trying to kind of push off my worries are now starting to become reality. And I think um, I'm just trying to cope with that and not worry too much, but also try to figure out how to make reality feel a little bit less scary in the realm of school and also try not to let it feel overwhelming at the same time. Yeah, well, that's a difficult line to walk for sure, because it's like we were all jugglers to begin with, right? And, and it's kind of like we had those the actual juggling balls, but then now they've like thrown in axes and swords and all sorts of, you know, little torches that are on fire. So we're trying to juggle much more and it seems, you know, a lot more dangerous and difficult. And I think you articulated that really well. I wanna kind of switch the conversation over to learning environments and learning experiences. So what is one thing in a recent class that made learning challenging? It, it, it seemed like an impediment or, or a challenge to, accomplish what we're trying to accomplish in every class and that's learn the content well i know i had sepsis a few months ago as a result of just as covid was starting out and everyone was having trouble getting access to healthcare. i didn't want to go to the emergency room and it got worse than it needed to get and so i ended up with the cognitive problems that everyone are having now um, that are starting to come out. I was able to get to the Office of Student with Disabilities and able to get help from them. But with the way the academic integrity system is working now, they've been trying to kind of help students avoid cheating. And one of our tests was structured 
in a way where they wouldn't let students go backwards after they answered a question. So once you finished your question, you couldn't go backwards and change an answer. Mm -hmm. And so once I found out that that was going to be the case, I was so concerned because I, the way that I answer my questions is I skip the ones that I'm worried about. And then I go back to them afterwards and I answer the ones I'm most confident in. And then just the ones I'm worried about, I'm like, I'm going to go back to that later. And so I was concerned that I could only do one at a time and I had to go and I couldn't go back to the ones later on. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to go one at a time. And then they let us know that we were only going to have half an hour to do our entire midterm of 60 questions. And so I was like, okay, well, I have twice as long to do the test, but that still was not enough time for me to be able to do the test. And the intention was to prevent students from using their notes because they had to know it off the top of their head and they weren't going to be able to talk with friends because the questions were jumbled and you couldn't go back. But um, for students who might have alternate needs or might um, need to go back or might need something different, it was extremely difficult. And since there was no in-person like way to take the tests right now, it was nearly impossible for me to figure out with the professors what to do. And so it made it really difficult for me to take a test that I already was kind of anxious about, just like all the other students. And then compounded on top of that was like the time limit and the fact that I couldn't go back. And I wanted to be just like all the other students. And I wanted to challenge myself in the same ways that everyone else was being challenged. And I didn't want to feel like I was in any way getting like special accommodations compared to the other students. But it was also this ridiculous way that we had to take this test. And I was kind of like, why can't we all just agree not to cheat? <laughs> why can't we all just say that we're not going to do it and then none of us are going to do it? But um, it is the reality that everyone is under so much pressure to do well right now. And so it's, I think the testing right now is um, just this incredibly stressful system for everybody. And it was so difficult for me to take this test. I just remember crying before and then crying after and crying during and just it was, I was just, it wasn't even crying because it was difficult. I was just, I was stressed because I knew I it was stressful. And so I think it was difficult for me to just know that I knew the material by heart. I knew I could do it, but it was just the, the stakes were so high for me in this class, just because of the way that the test was structured, the class syllabus was structured, the grading system was structured. I think right now that's been the most difficult thing for me. Right. Wow. There's a lot there in that kind of structure is really inequitable for a number of reasons, but especially because of that test-taking process and how you usually navigate that kind of situation was now unavailable to you. And so for folks who are good at that, that kind of testing style, it definitely gives them an advantage, right? And it puts a lot of people at a disadvantage when, yeah, you can't go back and reevaluate the question and your answers after you know, you you're, have this time limit. So it's like, yeah, let me get to the things that I know. And then let me go back so that I can uh, think through the more challenging ones a little bit more. And you weren't given that opportunity. And that sounds not just um, unfair, but it sounds like it's not really conducive to understanding if a student is learning or not. It's like, if you can kind of dismantle this ticking time bomb of a test, then that's that's what we're really looking to see if you have the skill in that area, as opposed to if you can work through and articulate the content in a, in a way that demonstrates your learning. Exactly. It's compounded on by the fact that 
there's very few ways to be able to go over a test afterwards anymore either, because since most of the Zoom meetings are recorded now, it's really difficult to be able to go over a test when you're recording all of the answers, because since professors are reusing their tests or students are taking the tests later, we the professor did not know how to navigate this. And so I had to kind of argue the fact that I wanted to know what I got wrong afterwards and that I didn't know how to learn the material that I had gotten incorrectly if I wasn't able to go over my test because initially they had said they weren't going to go over the incorrect answers. And so I kind of had to argue my case for why I wanted to know what I got wrong because I didn't know what I got wrong or what the right answer was in the class. And so I had to send a strongly worded email over and eventually I was able to figure out what I got wrong and like what I could do correctly the next time. But since it was, was not going to be a cumulative final, that was their reasoning for why we didn't need to go over the test in the first place. And so, but I wanted to learn the material really badly and it has to do with what I want to do in the future for my career. And so that was kind of my reasoning for, I want to learn this material. I don't just want to know why I didn't get a hundred percent. And so I think it's a lot of stress on the professors and it's a lot of stress on the students. And I think everyone's in a mode of, okay, we got this score on to the next grade. And so I'm kind of, I feel a lot of pressure on myself. And I also feel a lot of sympathy towards the professors and a lot of sympathy and empathy towards the TAs and everybody in the system. And so I think it's a hard time for everybody. And it also speaks to another issue of equity where what if students aren't going to self-advocate for like the way that you did, right? And they're not going to say like, look, I, I need to know this because I really want to learn. You know, people of different cultural backgrounds and people that have been socialized to understand the education system in different ways may just feel like, look, the authority figures told me this is what it is, and I can't ask any questions. There are no other options for me. And even someone like you who is going to be um, persistent in your arguments for, for getting the learning that you're looking for, it, you still have to push beyond the initial, no, we can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think if it would have been in person, it might have been an entirely different scenario as well. I think there is the benefit of it being online that I can just take a deep breath and kind of hope for the best and send that email and then go kind of calm down. But I don't think in person I would have had kind of the zhuzh to um, go up and do it myself. But there is that kind of anonymity behind the screen where I can send that email. But I think that is kind of one of the benefits is that I have a little bit more confidence that way. But I think it it is true that I think there are a lot of students that this might be kind of earlier in their academic career. They might not be used to kind of self-advocating. And I do worry about students kind of falling between the cracks in that way as well. Right. And, and in an in-person class, you know, maybe if you didn't want to speak up to the issue, maybe someone would and it would benefit the whole group. Right. As opposed to this one on one that you're now doing with the instructor. They can do that for you, but they don't necessarily have to be on the hook for doing that for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's difficult as well. All right, so switching gears here, what what is one thing about a recent class that made learning easy or made learning, you know, an experience where you felt like I understand there's clarity and and I can demonstrate my learning in a way that I feel is just and that I feel is fair. Definitely. I have loved the discussion boards on Canvas. That's been something that's been used since before the pandemic, but I think it's been something that I've really gotten much more into since the pandemic. I've done online classes before, but I think 
Um, I've really gotten to know my classmates in a way that's been different and a lot more personal. And I've become a lot more vulnerable on the discussion boards as well, just being a transfer who transferred in during this quarter. Um, I have this one class where we do our discussion boards at the end of each week's module. And so it's kind of our wrap up where we answer a few questions, but the professor also opens it up in a way where if we don't want to answer the questions that are posed, we don't have to. Um, If we maybe found something out about the weekly kind of learning, we can pose our own question that we answer. Maybe if we saw a news article that maybe relates or doesn't relate, or maybe related to a past module, we can talk about that instead. And maybe if we thought up something on our own, like the week of the elections, um, we could talk about that if maybe that was what was on our mind. Yeah, I've never seen a student that went that direction, but just having that open dialogue as an option, I think made me feel that much more comfortable and kind of gave me that sense of it being that community and kind of having that option to be able to like feel like I'm in a classroom rather than feel like I'm like answering a question that's in a little submission box that doesn't feel as much like a discussion and it feels more like I'm answering something to get my points. And I felt kind of like I can add a meme at the bottom or like I can relate things maybe in a more unconventional way. I know last week I related kind of, I don't, remember what it was. I think it was um, genetic determinism. I related it to the Sims and like kind of, I got a little more creative and I wanted to do things. And I felt more, I texted my family asking them for examples for things and kind of, it made me want to become more involved and it made me think about it like as I left my computer. And so I think just offering ways to become like more involved and more than just the classroom, but kind of and just a community aspect, I think made me want to become more involved in the classroom. And so it was kind of offering that, that made me feel like I wanted to be in the classroom more and gave me more of a boost to want to pay attention to the information because I felt like the professor was kind of supporting me from all of those angles at the same time. And so I felt like the professor wasn't just uploading that lecture to upload the lecture, but uploading the lecture in order to teach me, if that makes sense. Oh, that does make sense. So it sounds like with that kind of format and that experience, you were encouraged to kind of let your curiosity roam to get to the learning, as opposed to like curiosity is not as important here. It's just you need to do these things in this order. Exactly. And I mean, all of the professors that um, I've had this quarter thus far um, has been using the templates that they've had from previous quarters, but this professor specifically has implemented knowledge that she's taken from maybe news articles that have come up so far, or maybe she saved something she saw from the summer to use in like last week's lecture and kind of has made it a little more modern and a little more current. And I mean, we're all watching the news, we're all seeing things that are happening and she's kind of taking the things that are happening right now, just as it would happen in an actual in-person lecture and being like, did you guys see this last week? Cause this kind of has to do with what we're learning about and kind of moving away from that. Here's this lecture that I actually recorded in the spring and we're gonna just, I'm gonna talk about it and add on this kind of extra video at the beginning. And she's kind of making it feel like she's actually doing it for us. It, us as in this class, this quarter, rather than kind of just trying to kind of get through and juggle everything that she's doing because I completely understand why the other professors are doing that because they're also they have their lives and their classes and everything but this professor really feels like she's kind of in it with us right so it wasn't 
doesn't feel prepackaged. It feels like this is in the moment, similar to an in-class experience that, you know, we're reacting and responding to things as they are happening, rather than saying, look, the learning that you need to do, it, it's, it can be replicated term to term, right? Exactly. And there's times where she's fumbling through her papers and it takes an extra second. And I'm, I would so much rather have to sit for a minute and a half while she finds something than like be playing it at two times the speed just so that I can get through a lecture that was recorded in the summer so that somebody could get it over with. So a quick recap here. What you're saying makes learning challenging is kind of the more rigid, prescribed, um, limited way of demonstrating your learning as opposed to what makes learning easy or even enjoyable would be the more open um, and, and less rigid and more space for exploration. Exactly. I think everyone's struggling right now, and I'd rather struggle right along with the professor than have that perfect prepackaged and just like exactly what the professor wants it to look like type lecture and module. I would rather have the professor struggle and fumble and mess up their words and be right there along there with them to do it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Madeline, for being on. I appreciate this feedback and I think it's going to help some folks. Thank you. So I'm here now with my co-host, Curry, and we just listened to the interview with Madeline. Lots of thoughts here. One thing that comes to mind for me when she talks about the challenges that she's experiencing and that test that just seems so rigid and, yeah. and, and you know, not just standardized, but was kind of like unfair, I, I felt like in a lot of ways. I thought a little bit about, I know in your area, in English and letters, like it, there's probably not a lot of, you know, those kind of tests, the multiple choice tests. I don't remember that from English classes. I don't think it's, you know, I'm sure it exists, but it's not everywhere. But I did think about in English 100, how there is kind of a like a standardized essay for English 100. And please uh, educate me on this because I'm not sure exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, but I've heard of it. Right. And I just wanted to know if that is the case, like how is that structured um, in your department? And then also what is the individual uh, freedoms that, that faculty may have to kind of, you know, accomplish that standard that the department has set, if it is a standard? I don't even know if that word is, is what's used. Well, that, there you go. I think that is the, the the language of standard. And what I heard in the intention behind this sort of academic integrity, right, is that sort of the the sacredness of you know students performing knowledge and satisfying these standards that we've we've set up. These outcomes, these these right, all that you know, um, et cetera. So um, letters. Uh, AmeriCosta, we don't have a common assignment or a standard essay that we all teach. We did for the past probably five years, we were working on a common assignment of a type, right? And, and what, what we were striving for was an artifact that students could create that we could bring to the department that was similar enough to where we could read and sort of evaluate how well we were teaching, but that was flexible enough such that each instructor could kind of do inside of it what they felt they needed to do that was responding to their students and giving their students the kind of intellectual freedom that Madeline really was excited about when she was talking about open discussions, et cetera, which we can get to that in a minute. 
I have taught in uh, uh, on other campuses um, where we did have you all teach this exact essay, right? And in our our basic skills courses in letters, you know, our English fifty, there is a a, a portfolio, right? That that every student creates. So we we have that here and there. And this this is a, a struggle, uh, I think, within composition theory. When we say student writing, what are we even talking about, right? Are we talking about logic? Are we talking about narrative? And um, and so it's it's tricky in that regard. But but you know what I heard Madeline talking speaking to was how that test, how academic integrity was being protected for her for her just precluded her own individualized process, right? It, it wasn't a student-centered approach. And so maybe that's a way to think about this, whether it's a common assignment or not. Um, if if we know we're, we're targeting outcomes, are we also pursuing student-centered uh, approaches? And and I, I want to unpack kind of how you do that in a pandemic because I think that's really important. But I, I want to hear what you what, how you're thinking. Well, first off, I want to apologize to my letters folks who are listening. I I was wrong <laughs> that that that's a rumor, and I will not spread it any further. That's good. Um, yeah, I brought it up here, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, no, very good. Thank you, Curry. Well, so so academic integrity. How are you thinking of academic integrity right now as a professor? Um, how are you ensuring that you know you're protecting that, but also allowing for students to bring their own processes? I, that's a that's a big question, and I, I feel like so. I, I got to tell a quick story. I, w- I was on Reddit. I was on a professor subreddit, and. Uh, you know, somebody was really complaining about students cheating on multiple choice tests and they were like doing different color coded tests and mixing answers and mixing questions and doing all of this. But somehow, you know, they, they felt that students were still cheating at a rate that they deemed unacceptable or actually any cheating probably would have been unacceptable. So, uh, but then I <laughs> made the mistake of responding to this, this comment by saying something along the lines of, well, why don't you just create assessments that uh, are impossible to cheat? Well, you know, that make it impossible for students to cheat. Right. I got downvoted so quickly. <laughs> and they were like, oh, you probably work at some elite liberal college where you have 12 students and, you know, you have the time to do that kind of thing, which is a real workload issue. And I understand, yes, yes. You're running a Scantron, yes, you're going to be able to do that a lot more efficiently and quickly than other, other ways of, of assessing. I think with academic integrity right now, I, I feel like in adapting to contemporary education in the contemporary world, I, I don't know of many situations, Curry, where students are not gonna have any resources and they're gonna be locked in a room and they're gonna have to take something within 30 minutes, right? right. Maybe with nursing and in the medical field where there are emergencies and you really gotta know your shit. Okay, fair enough, right? But yeah. most of us don't operate in that kind of world. Most of us operate in a world where we can take some time to collaborate, learn from others, read, research, and then make decisions based on all of that. And so I opened it up for that. And, and you know, I look at quizzes as teaching tools and, and, and not as really assessment tools. I, I try to engage uh, students in projects that would be impossible to cheat. Like you, this, if I saw this project before, obviously it's not yours, but you know, and, and something that is unique to them and that sparks their curiosity. So th- I have the basic structure of something and then they have the freedom to take that in the direction that they wanna go. So yeah. I think that that's kind of the way I handle some of those issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had um, my, my pre-calculus teacher, 
he uh, he he did uh, take home tests in addition to I think he called them quizzes, but they were fucking hard exams is what they were. Um, <laughs> but the quizzes in class timed you got partial credit. So if you showed your work and you kind of slipped here or there, you got most of the points because, you know, he could say you're thinking the right way. You just made this little error. The take home tests had to be perfect. And it was like five questions, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe 10. Totally had to show your work. And if there was a tiny mistake, you got the entire question wrong. So like one little mistake could take you all the way down to like a, a C pretty quick. But you got a week on those things, right? And you could use any resources you wanted to. And the folks in the, the the tutoring center had the test, so they knew if a student went in, it's like, can you help me with this problem? They're like, we can't do that problem. But we can talk about a similar problem, right? Um, you had the textbook, you had YouTube, whatever you needed. That balance of here's something you have to really perform just every sort of method, knowledge, concept, problem solving perfectly with you got to do it in this space within this time frame, but there's an understanding that this is a different thing. You don't have all the time in the world. There's accommodations for little errors. For me, that really helped balance. Um, it, it was. It felt more student centered, centered as a student, right? I had different different things I had to perform and different tools I could access, and I, I didn't feel as stressed out one way or the other just because of those different situations. So that might be one thing that we we think about. Um, but you're right about the workload. And I don't know how much we want to dig into that here, but it, it is a workload issue for a math teacher who's really thinking, I've got to create a question that's unique, but that resonates with the textbook, that resonates with what we've been practicing. So students have some framework they're bringing to this question. That takes time to really, and, and, and that works, right? That has a solvable outcome. I'm not sure how fair it is for faculty to come up with a brand new exam like that for every class for every semester if when they you know go over the test in a zoom session the answers are recorded and easily shared so you know that's i i you know there's that side of this as well that, that we need to be thinking about yeah definitely and what i appreciate about you know these interviews that we're doing with these students you know we have commencement and when students win scholarships and then we have dropping out and failing classes right and yeah. there's this kind of dichotomy uh, uh, about that and, and this kind of binary in the way that we we think about these things sometimes and it's really good to hear from an individual student about both the challenges to their learning but then also the things that are helpful it feels balanced it feels fair and it feels like we're getting a lot more than just you know pulling a, a, another card out of the complaint box yeah. or just celebrating the accomplishment regardless of how that happened because we know there were challenges and helpful elements to that along the way yeah this is we're in the thick of it right <laughs> that's right and we're going to be more in the thick of it we got a couple more of these to go yeah so we're going to do a few more of these uh and then uh, a later episode where we try to um, hear a range of, of responses, but then contextualize that within this conversation about universal design for learning, where feedback is so important. So listening to our students qualitatively, quantitatively, and rethink our courses and our curriculum and our teaching uh, in response with equity in mind, right? So, so that's kind of the trajectory of, of the season um, that we're headed. And I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm really excited about these sort of student voices um, and how, how that helps us think about where we are as we're in the thick of teaching, right? Absolutely. Cool.
This episode is supported by the Miracosa Foundation's Innovation Grant. The Save Topics podcast is produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia handles promotion, student recruitment, and research. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and savetopics.podbean.com. Find us on Apple and Spotify. Please rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening.